0: Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. Join me at the 10th annual Media Excellence Awards on January 18th in Beverly Hills, California. The attendees and I will be celebrating innovation and leadership in technology and entertainment. There are 20 award categories with a 1,000 nominees. These awards honor those who are creating groundbreaking technology to better our lives and celebrate the hard work, determination, and brilliance in the leadership within the companies which create the new world we live in today. I will be recording nominees and winners at the awards. For tickets and more information, go to MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Ryan Sosha. He's the founder and CEO at Jado. Ryan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I I think, um, you know, you're kind of what you guys are doing is kind of timely with what's kind of happening in in the news. Um, But maybe before we kind of get into Jado and what you guys are doing with that, um, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
1: Yeah. um, So originally I grew up in a small Uh, town in the southeast corner of Connecticut called Sterlington and from there I uh, ended up transferring to a private school in DC and you know finishing finish up high school out there uh, before moving out to California Um, so yeah
0: nice okay so you you went to university correct
1: yeah I was um, studying uh, computer science with bioinformatics specialization and neuroscience at the University of California San Diego Um, But that being said, I ended up leaving after um, partway through my sophomore year. Uh, Okay, and why did you decide to leave?
0: Um,
1: Yeah, so I was working with, I got a job with a local VC, and I just started, you know, getting hands-on experience with uh, various startups, and uh, during one of my meetings with these folks, um, I also uh, pitched to them an idea for a company, which, you know, is now Jado, and, After I kind of just told them about my background, building apps and that sort of stuff, and what my intentions long term were, um, the response I got was like, "I believe in you. I believe in your company. When can you start?" And that's when I really just started to jump into it. But it wasn't until um, things got really timely for us that I actually just chose to, you know, pursue this stuff full time with Jado. And in in addition to receiving advice advisory you know from these folks and just thought it was a different type of education that i couldn't necessarily get in the future so you know i was willing to take the risk right now so
0: no i i think that's that's great so walk us kind of through how you came up with the idea of JDO, JDO and what exactly is it
1: yeah totally um so JDO is a public benefit corporation and okay. we built uh, anonymous reporting Platform that is end-to-end encrypted um, in order to connect mutual victims of repeat sexual offenders to okay. lawyers who would be wanting to take on those cases, um, and structurally, they're cases that are both worth more and easier to prove. So we're really, you know, creating a mechanism that um, incentivizes justice for victims of the most underreported crimes in our country. And um, going back to like how this even, you know, came into my head, um, it really all stems uh, into my the summer before my senior year in high school, I um, went back to Connecticut and had a uh, two month internship at a local family friends law firm. And really over the course of this time, it was, you know, two months I learned from A to Z, you know, what goes into these types of cases um, really the grounds that individuals have to pursue action against, you know, an offender. I mean, in terms of civil litigation and, um, Toward the end of this internship, I was just hanging out with a friend, and guy was going to play, you know, D one football in college, and I had a repeated year in high school, so you know, my friends in Connecticut were a year ahead of me um, as I was going to my senior year. But this kid just out of the blue uh, broke down and told me that his crossfitness trainer had molested him, and I immediately, you know, offered him like whatever help I could, and sure. um, was able to apply some some of this knowledge I gained from the the legal internship uh, to my friend's situation. You know, the one thing I told him was, you know, you should do something about this because more often than not, you know, these people will just be left in the world, right, you know, just and probably do to other people. So the day went on. <laughs> it was again the same day my friend told me that this even happened. And uh, we went to a graduation party later that night. And my friend, you know, spoke up about what happened to him. Come to find out that there were about 10 other kids. I had the same exact experience with the same exact guy. And, you know, that was a scenario where, like, looking in, it's like, how did this happen? You know, these kids, like, all of us had grown up together, played football, played lacrosse together, and how did they not speak about it? But the second, you know, my friend brought this to light and we found, you know, the true scope of the damage there, there was just, you know, no shame, no stigma, just, like, complete support for the people that this happened to, and they unanimously, you know, pursued action. Uh, against this individual so it was just really a, um an eye-opening experience and really i just felt like the tools that um that exist today they're not really helping survivors um in the real world so we thought that you know we could build something that not only does this for you know one instance like you know the instance with my friends but could actually reach like billions of people um you know through technology so
0: Sure. No, I I think it's great what you're doing. And it's just kind of oddly timely that, you know, all the stuff that's kind of happening in in Hollywood right now, and a bunch of people are kind of getting busted for this kind of stuff finally. And, you know, a bunch of people are kind of coming forward. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I have a close family member that went through this. And I've known kind of other people that have had, you know, these experiences in, in, in their past and you know, so I I really wanted to have you on the show to you know help people that maybe are scared to come forward actually, you know, maybe use kind of what you guys are doing or to actually you know help help their own
1: lives, right? Yeah, totally. So, it's it's um something ahead, that it's something that like I was just talking to a marketing director, former marketing director at uh, Perkins Coy, or I can't even pronounce their name wrong, but they're Right. But it's a big law firm. And we were having this really interesting conversation where, you know, we talked about how this stuff has just been happening, you know, pretty much all of human history. And we're really at a tipping point, it feels, where, you know, this stuff has been, you know, unveiled a little bit and people today more, you know, willing to uh, speak up and willing to pursue action. It's like this stuff has just been going on for generations. But today, more so than ever, you know, people are saying, no, like, this stuff can't be, you know, as rude as it is in our society. And I think that's where, you know, Jado can come into play, too, as someone who could, like, you know, funnel a lot of this, like, social anxiety through something that, you know, results in direct action and um, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, no, I I think it's, you know, amazing what you guys are doing. But walk me and the listener through kind of... How do people kind of use your your platform to actually, you know, kind of deal with this?
1: Totally. Um, so essentially, you when you download the JDO app, uh, we're actually not even live yet. We do have clients though ready. Um, it's going to be live probably in about a week or so. Um, okay. So but by the yeah, time so this when, airs,
0: it'll be live.
1: Yeah. Um, so pretty much when you know you experience something, you witness something you can access the JDO app after you download it and you can file a report against the offender. And, um, with these types of crimes, they're very unique because in 90% of cases, you know, offenders are repeat offenders. And it's also extremely likely to be the case that the people who would be reporting these offenders actually know the offenders by name. So Mm -hmm. through JDO, people are able to, uh, legitimately list, you know, the person who wronged them or, you know, if they witness something, they could report this too. And through our system, we uh, basically created a solution that prevents the individual from defaming the offender, and it also preserves the identity of the individual. So, if you were, you know, involved in a situation with, you know, for example, Bill Cosby, you could mm-hmm. report him through Jado, and you'll find out that there are others who've also reported this individual and what firm they're working with to pursue action against him. So oh, I see. In other words, it's really a black box. Like if when reports are in our system, um, even, uh, under a subpoena, uh, they would withstand that because we've created a system that is only accessible by the users and therefore, you know, the users, when they're pursuing, uh, justice or, um, you know, their keys to their encrypted files with these lawyers and no one else has access to them. So that's, that's something right. that really just didn't exist And um, it's pretty new technology, but that's pretty much, you know, what we've built for survivors of sexual assault, rape, and harassment.
0: No, I, I think that's that's really great. But then how do you guys deal with the kind of, because I'm sure it, it's come up where it's actually like somebody claims something happened that actually didn't happen.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And my default response to that is that you know, these types of crimes are reported one out of 10 times. And, okay. you know, through through our technology, like, we identify repeat offenders 70% faster than anyone. But Got you. They're, they're also a, a type of crime that is reported at lower rates than all of these other types of crimes. So by default, it is, you know, naturally, under. it's not very likely that we will have false reports. But even under the case that we do, um, they're basically reports that come in. And, you know, it's in a matching system that doesn't defamate and doesn't identify the individual who reported it. So if it's going to move forward into, like, a litigation, you know, type of output, um, that's going to be something where the individual, you know, is dealing with lawyers and is signing their name, you know, saying that they're accountable for all of this stuff. So, you know, we're not the ones who, like, determine how this is going to play out in court. We're just the ones who connect the dots for individuals to... You know, build up the momentum to even be sure. in that situation. You know, and have the the power to and capacity to pursue action against an offender. So that's kind of how we deal with uh, false reporting now. But definitely, you know, in the future, there's uh, potential for different levers that would uh, prevent false reporting. So,
0: sure, no, that that makes sense. And and at the end of the day, it's when you I like if I reported something and if it's false, say then you match me with a lawyer, the lawyer's going to be like, you have no case or it didn't happen or like you were just mad or whatever, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I don't want to like make it like a joke, but I, I just want to stress stress the point that like you guys aren't necessarily, like there's a vetting process that you basically with the lawyer, right?
1: Yeah, totally. And yeah. lawyers, when they take on these types of cases, you know, they're naturally considered high risk, high reward
0: yeah, for them. Fair, fair. Sure. through
1: our technology, you know, we're de-risking them and we're also making them worth more. So lawyers are still going to have to conduct, you know, their natural vetting process. And frankly, like firms can't afford to be taking on cases that, you know, are faulty or that they can't prove in court. Um, so yeah, they're going to have the same kind of vetting process through our system. It's just, you know, pre-vetting, we're just connecting dots early on so they can have, you know, an idea of what the true scope of damages really is and that sort of thing. Right now, lawyers have no capacity to um, to find other individuals who you know might be connected to a defendant that they're going against on behalf of victims of these types of crimes. So, you know, through our technology, we want to like we want to connect lawyers to all those people. Like, you know, it's more often sure. than not that offenders are repeat offenders. So, you know, if, if everyone just uses JADO as a reporting tool. Um, we could really, you know, eradicate sexual assault as our mission um, states in our governing documents.
0: No, I I, I think it's great, man. Um, So walk, walk me through and the listener through some of the other features because it's it's more, you guys have quite a bit going on, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of actually looking at the features page of your, your site now and even since we last chatted, it seems like you updated and added some stuff. So... What other features do you kind of offer in the app?
1: Yeah, so um, we basically have, you know, created a public ledger that um, doesn't reveal the identifying of uh, the identifying info of individuals on the map. So, like, the one thing that we're trying to really uh, showcase through Jato is that, you know, you can see all these reports mapped out as pins on a map. But if you were to do a filter on this map and, you know, you wanted to see how many of these are really, you know, repeat offenders, like, that's something that we offer by default as a service like we want people to see that direct connection and you know realize that taking action against an offender like could genuinely prevent this person from you know continuing to to wreak havoc in the community um, so that's one of the features um, you have the ability to really just filter by all sorts of um you know types of crimes that are reported in our system again we focus on sexual assault rape and harassment but Um, in in addition to that you know you could find legal resources you could find medical resources and um yeah i mean we're trying to provide like a full stack solution for survivors so to the extent that we can find you know different um different facets you know we could add to our platform that would be beneficial to survivors you know going through this type of situation um we'll definitely be adding them like as we move forward but First up is launching, and then second up is we're going to make this available on web as well. So we're excited about you know, all of that, but that's kind of where we're at now.
0: No, I I think that's that's really great. When when you say um, just for the survivors part of things, I, I'm assuming like you're going to have a listing or directory of maybe like. Therapists or, or other kind of professionals—is that what you mean by that, or, or what yeah. what are you so, kind of yeah. looking to do long-term for them?
1: Totally, um yeah. So it's actually interesting. We uh, originally just collected all the data from Rain, which is you know a big organization in the space, and they have resources uh, listed nationally, and we oh, wow. um, actually we collected all of those and have that already structured in a database for. Um, you know, our platform, but definitely we'd like to also work with therapists um, who, you know, would be able to um, basically be listed as resources in our platform and people could, you know, see if they're good and if, you know, the community validates them and maybe even, like, what type of insurance provider, you know, they accept because, like, these things are often expensive too and, you know, whatever way we could make it convenient for individuals to, like, access therapists in their area, it's not necessarily an easy thing, um, and I know from experience. So um, sure. that's only something that I think would be uh, kind of under the umbrella of you know different medical resources we have. Um, yeah, that sort of thing.
0: No, I, I no, I I think that's great. So I want to dive a little bit deeper, and you you kind of covered it earlier about kind of how does the user or sorry how does the lawyer use the app on, on their side?
1: Yeah. Um, it's a good question. And really, it was dictated a lot um, when we were trying to make sure that we're doing everything we could to avoid um, breaking any, you know, professional conduct, ethic responsibilities um, with respect to lawyers. But so when lawyers are listed in our system, um, they're basically able to collect um, different prospects that, you know, have reported in JADO and are interested in pursuing um, legal action against the offender they named and what they're doing the you know survivors at that point they're able to find different resources in their area and you know we'll check off like which firm you know they want to you know, proceed through and lawyers on the other end are having a reciprocal platform that basically um allows them to access these new leads and accept or deny as well as see the connectivity to the repeat offender um, and other individuals looking to pursue action against that offender as well so We're really giving them um, something that isn't, you know, being force-fed to people. It's more like uh, survivors, you know, who want to pursue action, will others, you know, you don't have to. But the ones who do, lawyers are going to be getting this thing that says, okay, accept, deny, and then they'll move on to um, have, like, a consultation and figure out, like, if it's the type of case, you know, that they're going to take on. But it's interesting because some of our current lawyer clients, too, um, they're basically trying to use our platform for existing clients as well because, you know, as I mentioned previously, lawyers currently have zero capacity to look at someone they're currently, you know, prosecuting, a defendant, and ask the question of, okay, like, do we know anyone else who's connected to this? Like, you know, they don't even know how to answer that question for themselves. So through JADO, it could be, you know, a source of new you know clients to represent but it also could be something that enriches their current um client data set if you will uh sure. you know in in that it creates the cases that are like worth more and easier to prove for them and in doing so it's, it's helping more people um sooner so that's kind of the angle that we're taking with boards currently so
0: no I, I i think that's that's really great and um. It so you mentioned the web and you kind of covered the apps, but you're launching Android and iOS and the web. Is that is that fair to say?
1: Um. Well, so we're launching Android, iOS first. Web will be coming okay. out uh, shortly after. The tech that we use uh, enabled us to really do a lot of that faster than most companies. So, um, web is kind of like a package deal with respect to the backend we built for you know our technology so far. Um. Okay. That being said, it's like we care mostly about security. So like we're trying to make sure that whatever we release on the web is really as good as it's on mobile and mobile has a lot of, you know, special privileges being as it's mobile, you know, everyone has a device and their device can carry keys that are like uniquely associated with them. So um, the web is more challenging, but we're still, you know, working on that too. So it should be available like on mobile and web um, sooner than later, but mobile definitely first. Um, The other thing that
0: makes sense, but keep going. Sorry,
1: I um, wanted to kind of circle back to the lawyer stuff too and just kind of say that um, like the lawyer client confidentiality agreements that are you know social contracts, you know, written on paper with lawyers that you know a lot of clients have with them. um, It's interesting because really, through the technology we've built, we've really built like another degree of lawyer client confidentiality over the web, like, there's no scenario where clients dealing with their lawyers will have their data um, as secure as we do in our system to the extent where even under a subpoena, like, their communications will not be exposed. So it's really unique in that, you know, we're providing a solution as a crime reporting tool and then to lawyers, you know, on the flip side. And it's good for them because it's really just like, you know, creating a new standard of what lawyer-client confidentiality could even look like. Um interesting. So in my opinion, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting stuff.
0: Sure. No, that that's actually quite fascinating and then yeah, just just that gets me thinking because y- you could kind of potentially branch out into other industries down the road if you chose to then, right? Or other verticals for for the lo- the legal industry.
1: Totally. Totally.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm curious though to maybe dive a little bit deeper into how you actually got this built because you mentioned you kind of were talking to some people, you know, you were still in school, you obviously worked in the legal space for a while, but how did you kind of fund the actual development of this thing, you know, um, to actually get this version one kind of live and online?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, honestly, it's been, um, it's been an interesting experience. Again, like when I first started this thing, I didn't know anything about corporations. I was just starting to learn about startups. And once I really honed in on this, that skill set, um, the rest kind of just happened, you know, once I took the leap and was just working on this constantly. Um, but we were lucky enough to get some, um, some awesome investors involved. Uh, we currently have uh, multiple current as well as Fortune 500 execs um, nice. invested in our company. So, you know, mix of family, friends and kind of pitching the right angels who um, particularly invest in our space. Like that's been our okay. uh, strategy to date. And we haven't raised a ton of money, but, you know, just enough to get us to the first level where we get this thing up. We get, you know, a few paying clients and then we can move on to you know, additional rounds of financing. Um, but again, it's been crazy because... You know, just with the media and everything, it's um definitely been something that has a lot of attention these days. So yeah, like we're actively, you know, raising more funds now and it's really a never ending game. But that being said, it's pretty incredible because like we have paying lawyer clients already and we haven't even launched yet. So wow. it, it's that, definitely okay. been yeah, pretty exciting.
0: So no, I, I think that that's great. And my next question to you was gonna be um, how do you monetize? So you charge the lawyer then?
1: Yeah, so we um we essentially are as a business, you know we profit from a, attorney marketing fees and successful okay. case outcomes. And the typical law firm you know spends about two percent of its money on marketing. and if you think okay. of what that could mean, it could be you know Facebook marketing in their general area. and it's really we found that to be highly ineffective. and you know through our sure. technology, if they have a specific defendant in mind or if they have you know clients ready or you know need new clients really through our technology we could give them exactly what they need um yeah. and they have no ability you know to get that otherwise so that's kind of how we've been positioning ourselves now and um you know we've kind of just been reaching out to as many lawyers as we can and it's been a pretty you know successful run so far we just need to you know scale those efforts out um you know as we keep moving forward so no,
0: I- I I think that's great. And I I get asked this question kind of a lot and it really has nothing to do with your platform, but how did you guys go about actually getting paying client or customer, well, lawyers in this case, but their customers or clients, um, before you even launched the product?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a good, good question. Um, Really we, we know the value of, you know, what we're providing to firms and, Um, there's a lot of me that kind of has to keep that, you know, reserved and not be as upfront with like what we could be charging. So it often feels like we left a lot of money on the table, but that being said, um, we're thinking long-term rather than short-term. So we actually offered them uh, a hugely discounted rate and said, you know, for the first 50, this is what we're offering after the first 50, it's 10 X for each additional client. And we really just wanted the barrier of entry to be as low as we could. Um, as we targeted, you know, mission-aligned law firms um, who would want to be listed on our platform. And that's been kind of our go-to strategy for now. I mean, it's it's worked pretty well. Um, but, yeah, like, we kind of just, you know, knew what kind of checks we were asking for with respect to, you know, what their typical marketing spend is and really just positioned ourselves as something that is fairly low risk and potentially huge reward. Um, sure. And, you know, the law the law industry is just... It's pretty interesting because there's really not of crazy technology in that space, and yeah, you know, if if some technology company is going to reach out to some firm that you know still loves sending paper checks, they're going to be excited if we could do anything that could you know positively affect their bottom line, as well as just you know in general streamline their processes. So that's kind of what we're promising now, and uh, it's been nice too because they haven't been uh, very eager, you know depending for this platform like it's coming we're going as fast as we can and you know we're just continuing this engine that you know is growing by the day so no that's I, good. I think
0: that's great and I think that's actually really good advice right because you gave them a discounted rate I think that's probably it you almost make it so it's hard extremely hard for them to say no they also probably feel like they're helping you build the platform right because they have to be giving you feedback totally um, and- totally and then they feel like they're actually, they're like almost loyal because they feel like they're actually part of, you know, the the team, right? Even though they're paying yeah. something. That's been my experience. And it sounds like you've experienced that as well.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the first attorneys we signed was um, a firm that's local to San Diego. And we had just won um, some social innovation awards at uh, the University of San Diego. And, congrats, um, congrats,
0: man. That's after- great.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. And then, um, so after we won that stuff, you know, we hit up these attorneys who were also alumni from the school. And it was just, you know, we felt like brotherhood, you know, in that sense when we initially signed them. So it's been interesting, but definitely, like, we've been emphasizing how, you know, this could help make a local impact as well as national. And, like, we really think that we have something special and aren't afraid to reach out to firms even cold to let them know what we have. Like there have definitely been, you know, one or two who've just been like flat out no thank you, but um, you know, in general, it's something where people often thank us more than that, even you know, just for reaching out and putting this on the radar. So definitely, you know, excited to ramp things up there.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's that's great, and and to your point a few minutes ago, like. That the legal space is kind of behind in, in, in tech in any kind of technology. And I don't even mean mm-hmm. it mean, it's just, that's kind of the reality. Right. And so yeah. when somebody comes to them with a, a piece of technology that can save them time and money, plus bring them new clients, it, it's kind of a no brainer for them. Right. They're at least yeah. able to try
1: it out. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we charge such a small amount up front that like, You know, it's not like we're going to be thriving because of this, but once we prove that our tech really works with them, that's when things, you know, start to escalate and contracts get bigger. So it's definitely kind of like planting a lot of seeds and, um, you know, doing everything we can to like make our tech work, you know, as effectively as as we can. And once that value is shown, um, we don't think there'll be any hesitation uh, when we send, you know, different contracts come next year. So, yeah.
0: Sure. No, I I think that's great. So I, I think just kind of from the screenshots that you guys have online, the app looks really nice. Like it's a kind of a beautiful looking app. Um, I appreciate it. How, how big is the actual team working on the different platforms?
1: Yeah, so our team is kind of in transition mode right now. We're um, hovering between four and six folks who are involved, okay. like uh, mostly – part-time but a few full-time folks. Um as I, you know, mentioned to you I think on a previous call, uh we had some friends who were working with us from Berkeley. They had just graduated and you know, were um just two geniuses really and both are now currently pursuing advanced degrees one in physics, the other um a master's in design. Um and yeah, we really just had like these folks involved for the summer and then you know, they went off to pursue their degrees. But we still have them um, part time, so it's it's nice. But really, we're trying to, you know, get our business running as it needs to be, raise some additional capital, and convert some folks who, you know, do want to be full time but can't quite afford to not work with other companies as well. Um, you know, into being full time. That's ultimately our goal. But you know, one day at a time.
0: No, yeah. I. But I. But I. Th- why I bring that up? Because I remember that conversation, and and the point that I was you you kind of got there that i think is is kind of really educational is like you build version 1 like say from the design side right you got android you got the look of ios done and maybe the web and like it once the team's kind of coding yeah you might need little things and design elements from the designer or like somebody on the design side but they don't really like sometimes you don't you don't need them full time for a while and and until you maybe want version 2 or you know kind of a new little section so you could potentially have like it sounds like you guys are doing where you have these people full time where maybe they need to put in you know kind of part time hours a few times a month instead of being kind of full time especially to get things kind of ramped up at the beginning and i think you know That, to me, I think a lot of people think that they need all these people full-time and, you know, Mm -hmm. when in a lot of cases you don't, right?
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. And we've also found, too, that, like, there are actually a lot of developers, you know, within big companies that are looking for a side project. So, like, we're, you know, definitely interested in that sort of talent as well. And if things work out, like, they could be, you know, future potential employees. So, It's really nice, you know, being a a small startup and scrappy. Um, That being said, like definitely looking forward to moving into just having, you know, the full time folks who are just dedicating, you know, time and energy, like as much as they can to all of our problems and things that we're solving. Um, But then the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is like early on, um, you know, we went through uh, various developing development groups and different folks who were involved, you know, as contractors and that sort of thing. And in the beginning, you know, we were trying to figure out how much it would cost to build this thing. And sure. the quotes we were getting were, you know, in, hovering in the realm of like 250K. And that's a lot to stomach as like someone who's, you know, hasn't raised, you know, too much capital, at least at that time, um, to raise. And it really felt like kind of just, you know, too high of a barrier for me to even jump through um, and kind of just let that settle for a little bit and then realize that, you know, let's check out this outsourcing thing. Like, let's see what other options are so we have leverage against that. And we ultimately ended up reducing our costs to like 1% to 2% of the initial quote. And, you know, we didn't finish our contracts with those folks, but, you know, we took what was working, we moved on with other people, we kind of just piecemealed it together over time. And, you know, today our product's pretty nice and robust and it's really the sum of like all these different, you know, stepping stones that we went through. But, had we, you know, looked at that giant bill and, you know, been turned down by that initially, like, we probably wouldn't be here today. It was really just, like, reconstructing, you know, our realities to say, okay, well, like, how could we do this faster and cheaper? And, like, what are the costs and benefits, you know, in doing so through this group or, you know, with these folks? And kind of just went in that direction as much as we could. So,
0: No, yeah. I, I I appreciate you saying that because... There's a lot of apps that people use every day that were basically started off the same way as like they they proof a concept, it outsourced. They might rebuild it with like a team internally at some point, but mm-hmm. there's it's a shocking amount of kind of at least version 1 or maybe multiple versions where, you know, it's kind of offshored or parts of it are offshore just because they they need to get a proof of concept. And you're right. Like if coming up with, you know, thousands of dollars or maybe 10 grand or I I don't know. And I don't really want to know what you spent. But, you know, coming up with thousands of dollars or even like 10 grand hypothetically is Mm. obviously a lot easier than a quarter mil.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And frankly, like who wants to be burning cash? You know, like I learned a lot. And I feel like to some extent, like we learned on, you know, other folks' dollars, but Mm -hmm. um, really we did so in like the most effective way we could, you know, we reduced costs and you're nothing. We, you know, lived out of, you know, poor living conditions, (laughs) just different things that you could do to just like de-risk things, make it super cheap. And like, there's a lot of upside and not too much downside, you know, when things go the wrong way, if they do. Um but that being said like I think things are you know working for us like well and when we started I could have never predicted you know the the psychology of our country today like things are just very um very ready for jado I'd say like there's a lot of people who know this stuff is a problem now and it's you know become just super public but um at the end of the day I just feel like we have something that looks like the best solution to all of this and you know we didn't just start it yesterday we I've been working on this for quite a while now, so.
0: Sure. So that kind of leads me into my next question, actually. How long did it take you before you actually kind of started putting this in front of lawyers and and other users? Was it, like, weeks? Was it months? Uh, I'm just kind of curious to get, like, a a version that you were actually, you know, kind of getting people to play with and give their feedback.
1: Yeah, so – Well, going back to the cost of development stuff, like today and, you know, every day moving forward from today, it is cheaper and easier to build this stuff than ever before. So, like, that's one thing that is definitely on, you know, the entrepreneur side. Um, Then, to answer your question, like, we were able to show mock-ups of what we were building um, that looked like the real thing early on to folks who, you know, might be using the real thing at some point. And we were able to solicit feedback simply from designs. Um, it's weird because, like, typically, you know, you think, oh, I need, like, this MVP to show this group or let them play around with this thing and, you know, have it feel like an app. But really, uh, you can use technologies like Flinto or um, Envision, and you can pretty much build, um, like, high-quality apps that are simply just images strung together. Like, you know, you can build out every view for a simple app, you are you know, have a prototype for it, and then you can have people play around with it, you can get feedback. And all that sort of stuff. So we did that pretty early on. And uh, we met with some um, really big uh, law firms who, like, to quote them, they said that this tech would streamline their legal processes and be hu- hugely valuable. And, you know, meeting with some of our closer lawyer friends, we were able to pinpoint, like, how much value this would really be adding. Like, what, you know, in the ideal world, we'd be able to charge for this. And it was a lot. And, you know, we wanted to create something that was, you know, palatable but not too much, even though we still recognized how much value this could provide them. Um, So really, it just kind of evolved from there with, like, you know, again, reducing costs, prototyping, getting feedback from, you know, lawyers that were both in-network and, you know, we had some sort of introductions to and even some cold outreach, um, kind of just a mix of everything.
0: No, I I think that's great, man. Um, I I love that. Um, I am curious though. When you say cold outreach, was that email? Was that phone calls? A bit of both? Some other kind of yeah, social media? Or how did you guys go do that?
1: All of the above, um, including Twitter. I feel like okay. Twitter's interesting because it's really just like a flattened level, you know, where you can you know reach out to people, tag people and stuff that's relevant to them and you know, spark a conversation and, you know, who knows where it leads. There's also this interesting platform that just came out. Uh, it's called Co, And I okay. saw uh, one of the partners at A16Z speaking about this. They recently rebranded to Earn.com. But it's a really interesting platform. They created like their own crypto ecosystem, like on blockchain. And um, it's really a social network where, you know, you get paid to give advice or you can pay someone, to get advice. And if you don't get the advice, you end up getting, you know, the refunded credits. But it's really just to say, like, you can have a conversation with anyone, you know, if, if you reach out to them and have something, you know, a specific ask in mind. And a lot of people just don't see the world like that. But, you know, if, if we find some lawyers who look like they're interested in, you know, technology we've built, you know, we'll reach out to them uh, via phone calls to their offices. We'll reach out to them via email and um you know, we don't hear back from everyone, but like, if we were going to let one or ten or even a hundred of those things that you know didn't work out for us stop us from doing what you know we need to be doing, again, like we wouldn't be here today. Um, so really, it's just a matter of like spewing that stuff, you know, and seeing what results in you know additional conversations and like moving forward on these fronts to the extent you can. Um, so yeah, just a lot of kind of hustle in the mix of everything
0: so no i i think that's actually really good advice because you mentioned earlier like you've worked in the industry before obviously (laughs) you have some connections but you're still kind of for for lack of a better term for it is cold calling and i by cold calling i mean kind of through social media through apps actually making phone calls through email right like that's what this stuff kind of takes right to to be yeah. successful or, or get your platform out there you know you, you need to try all these channels and see what works and doesn't
1: work for for what you're trying to do yeah definitely and i mean there are some pretty well studied or well cited studies that show that like the average um amount of time it takes you know building a relationship with someone before you can raise capital from them is six months and it's crazy because like a lot of my family or friends who aren't you know, familiar with the space, it's like, you know, when you're trying to raise money and there are these sort of things that you have to deal with, like different barriers to, to getting it or to that sort of entry. Um, a lot of folks don't really think super long term like that. And really once you see, you know, how the industry works, you know, you can figure out like what you need to do, you know, to get to that end point. You know, it it just takes a lot of like back planning and figuring out like, you know, what's our general strategy and like what really matters to us right now. Like for us, it's product and sales, so that's what you know. I've been spending most of my time on these days. Um, but yeah.
0: No, I I think that's that's really good advice, Ryan. And and sadly, we're coming to the end of the show. So let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys. And and by the time this airs, the apps will be available in both Android and iOS uh, app stores. Correct.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can check out us on um, social media. We're pretty much have you know the same tag everywhere. We use JDO Justice, and you should be able to you know search that, find our profile. Um, additionally, you can check us out um, online. Our website's JDO.io, so it's dot I-O. And yeah, I definitely recommend you know folks sign up. Um, whether you're you know a survivor, experienced uh, these types of crimes, or witness them. Or on the flip side, if you're a lawyer, you know, practicing personal injury law, looking to, um, you know, tap into our platform um, to access new potential clients, definitely recommend, you know, you sign up.
0: Well, Ryan, I really appreciate you taking the time and your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks.
0: Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.